disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. So masks have been a hot topic of debate, and uh, in the state of Kentucky, one state senator is actually proposing a bill that would ban the state from having mask mandates. Uh, senator Adrian Southworth and uh, over in Lawrenceburg, she has come up with this bill, and she's also got a bill about uh, basically making sure that you can't be mandated to take the vaccine. Um, we're going to talk to Adrian Southworth, Senator Adrian Southworth here in just a couple of seconds about these very important bills. Also, did you see where um, Dr. Anthony Fauci has received a million-dollar prize from an organization in Israel for, quote, standing up for science or defending science? I'm sorry, for, quote, defending science against misinformed opposition. That was it. It was defending science against misinformed opposition. This is one of the most hilarious and ironic things, and it, it just fits the times. Here you have a guy who told us first, don't wear a mask, they don't work, and here's scientifically why. Then he comes out and says, wear a mask, they work, and here's scientifically why. Then he comes out and says, we need to get to 60% vaccination to have herd immunity. Oh, wait, as the poll numbers went up, 70% as the poll numbers went up. Oh, wait, 80 as the poll numbers went up. Oh, wait, 90. And then admitted to the New York Times that he was taking those numbers up arbitrarily as the poll numbers were going up because he was manipulating you to bring you to his point of view. That, my friends, is not science. That is manipulation. And he admitted to doing it. Here's a guy who now says, wear two masks. Two masks are better than one. Okay, and so we're going to give him a prize of a million dollars for defending against misinformation. This guy was one of the main purveyors of misinformation about the virus. That's the world we live in now. Up is down, down is up. So uh, I get a kick out of that. That's so ridiculous. Anyway, all right, so let's get into our conversation with uh, Senate, State Senator Adrian Southworth. First, though, big thanks to our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. They did our kitchen and master bathroom several years ago. I love Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. 6200 Hit Lane, Louisville, Kentucky. Why do I love them? I love them because they have three designers on staff, Kelly, George, Michelle, who will help you do your dream kitchen. I love them because their work ethic, which I saw firsthand. Um, I love them because they care about quality. Um, and I love them because of their selection. Like literally, if it's quartz or, uh, or granite or uh, other types of solid surface, or maybe it's just laminate that you want, uh, whatever type of cabinets, custom work, tearing out a wall, whatever you need done, they can do the whole deal. So it, also, if you're a contractor or a do-it-yourself or they have cabinets, high-quality, beautiful, affordable cabinets in stock. So check them out at LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. Stop by the showroom at 6200 Hit Lane and uh, or give them a call, 502-930-3304. Again, if you're in Louisville, Southern Indiana, or, or um, uh, Oldham County, these are your folks. So check out LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. And now, without any further ado, let's get into our conversation with State Senator Adrian Southworth. Hey, how are you? 
Doing fine. How are you? <laughs> I am excellent. Uh, awesome. Cold and snowed in here in Colorado. How about you guys? I saw the weather oh, was my. saw the weather was how, pretty similar. How much snow do you have? Uh, we've got about five or six inches on the ground, and expecting another three tomorrow night. So. Okay. Well, we're we're just shy of that, I guess. I think I'm in the lightest falls of the state area, so other people probably have that much more. But um, yeah, it's about the same. We just got the notice. Our sessions canceled the rest of the week. We've been playing it day by day, and Anyway, does that extend the session for you guys when you cancel a week? Do you push it out a week longer, like make up days for school or how does that work? Well, we we do have make up days, but it's kind of like the school calendar has snow days kind of worked in already. So Uh, the Constitution is what stops our date at March 30th. So we can't actually extend the last day. But we do have we had like a um, whatever you want to call a spring break type deal worked in a week the first full week in March or gotcha. maybe it was the second that was already written in as a break time. So yeah. my guess is that's going to dissipate and we'll now be working, you know, that week. Makes sense. Speaking of which, um, what's your thoughts on some of the bills that would limit the governor's executive power? I mean, you guys did the, the vetoes and overrode the vetoes. Um, but you mentioned that this, the, the constitution stops you at a certain date. Um, does that mean that some of the bills that you guys passed that would limit the governor's power would be subject to constitutional challenge? Because I think one of the things you guys are asking the governor to do is to call you into session if there's an emergency that lasts longer than 30 days. So, Well, that, that's not exactly the case. If you read Senate Bill 1, what it does is it says the governor only gets 30 days and then he stops. Now, Okay. If he would want to get an extension, you know, we do have the authority of changing statutes, so we could be called in. And so absent us getting called in, it would stop. Of course, if he wanted to call us in, he could, but it's not like it's a requirement because that would require Constitution. It's an option. If he doesn't exercise that option, it goes on then to local government. But it should be constitutional because he has the prerogative to call you in and you guys aren't forcing him to call you in. You're saying, hey, if you want to put up or shut up here then do so. Right. I mean, that's essentially so to me, I don't I don't see how that wouldn't survive a constitutional challenge. Yeah, it would, because we didn't we didn't, um, you know, infiltrate the constitutional requirements at all. Well, the main reason I wanted to have you on was because of the bill that you have proposed that would ban statewide mandates that people wear masks. And I saw some of the outpouring of hatred (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that you got on Twitter. You mean love? Yeah, it was great love. It was um, Valentine's Day love. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just, I, you know, I, I, I posted on Facebook yesterday. I was like, if you wanted to keep people divided, one way to do it is to turn them against each other. And that's what we've got with neighbors ratting on neighbors and people uh, confronting others who don't have masks and um, it's just it, it's a mess. Um, but but what was the main reasoning behind your proposal of this bill? I think you're right on it. Um, you know, there are a few particulars that got me more excited about it. But I mean, I've been interested since the very beginning of all of this because, I mean, I just kind of thought for what it was. But, um, you know, a couple of people come to mind, what you just described. You have a disabled veteran who 
you know, I'm glad he's even able to talk to people. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a step in the right direction. The last thing we're going to be able to do is get a mask on him. Right. And he should still be able to go buy groceries. Right. Doesn't um, doesn't and, the state mandate though make an exception for medical purposes if somebody does? Well, have... there is fine print on those things, but nobody actually reads it. What you just described, mm-hmm. nobody cares what the fine print says. All they care about is what you know. You just said it. Ratting on people, not even asking. I mean, and I have the same question all the time because, I mean, the news puts me in a picture, you know, my mask is not over my nose. Well, look, I am trying to get through the session to still be able to breathe. I don't know I'm going to have a nasal passage by the time this session's over because I've spent more mask time in the last couple of months. And I wasn't going to the grocery store hardly at all because I can do a few minutes, but I can't do like longer than an hour. Right. And to get through a whole day and you can't do longer than that's kind of like all together. And then if you do that several days in a row, I'm like struggling to get through a week. And that's with my mask not over my nose most of the time. Right. So, I mean, I'm over here saying like, I'm the youngest. I look the healthiest, but clearly there are not, it's not just me that's having this problem, but I know how many comments I get, you know, people wanting to rat me out like I'm getting ready to kill them or something. Right. I don't have a gun to their head. I'm just sitting here trying to breathe myself so I don't fall over. My wife and I were walking the dogs. We're hiking on a hiking trail. And the, the hiking trail was probably about, I don't know, 10, 15 feet wide, something like that. And this lady comes around the corner. And, and I, I do not wear a mask outside at all. I, I, it's stupid. Right. There, what's the point? Yeah. There's Well, there's, there's no – there's literally been one – case or two cases traced back to ever transferring outside and it was because people were standing face to face for like an hour talking and that that's just such it just doesn't happen it does not transmit outside plus uv light is supposedly killing the virus at least there's research that shows that so it's just dumb that's how you actually sanitize your cell phone is get one of those little uv things right exactly so so I, I'm outside, we're, we're hiking on the trail, and I customarily just good morning everybody, because that's the type of person I am, I talk to everybody. And she comes around the corner, I'm like, good morning, and she goes, we need six feet, her and her dog. And I'm like, excuse me? She goes, we need six feet of space. And she's standing, literally, she stops, in the middle of the path. And I go, ma'am, if you, like, I was like, I'm going to continue hiking, so you have a choice. If you want six feet, <laughs> I'll go to this side. You go to that side, and we'll be 15 feet apart. Otherwise, I'm walking past you because I'm not stopping just because you're, conf- you know, just because you're illegitimately afraid. <laughs> and then she kind of muttered something under her breath and went over to the side of the path, and we went over to the other side and gave her her space and went. But I was just like, I mean, we're gonna pass each other, we're gonna say good morning, and we're gonna be in contact with each other for a total of maybe two seconds. Come on, people, if you're that scared, stay the heck home. You know. Well, and I've heard that incident happens in grocery stores where you were just discussing somebody doesn't have a mask on someone comes up gets right in their face i mean way in their face where's your mask right okay well just one point you know if you go to another state um you'll see a lot of signs and they'll say if you cannot social distance then please wear a mask right so the idea being you know if you're a passerby with three arms lengths between you anyway that's not how we catch bugs. I mean, we catch bugs whenever right. we go to school and half the kids are all sick and the teachers have a stick out. There's so many out. Right. Or when you go to church and no one's there. Like, that's when you know there's a bug. Right. But it's, you, you don't catch it from, you know, a hiking trail. Right. 
Well, or it, and somebody I just, on the other aisle in the grocery store. Right. Yeah, I don't want to hear about the grocery store when we have little old ladies feeling up tomatoes all day. I'm supposed to be worried about somebody who's closer than six feet. I mean, they're touching the tomatoes, so it's on the tomatoes. So come on, uh, you know, give me a break. But um, to, to your point, do you think your bill has a chance? I mean, are the the other I mean, you're in the Republican Party. The Republicans are fighting against the governor's overreach. But do they have the do they have the stones to do this? Because this is one of those things where, you know, it's almost like it's kind of tied to cancel culture. Right. I mean, there's such a a peer pressure element to wearing a mask that. I wonder if the Republicans will give this bill a, bill a hearing. Well, there are a couple of pieces to that, so let me try to travel through them quickly. One, um, you know, we talked all last year about the General Assembly were in session. We could take some action regarding states of emergency. Right. Well, now is our chance. Mm-hmm. So let's see what we have. Right. Secondly, we heard last year when this all started, because remember, this didn't start in March, whenever the shutdown started. This started like in June or July or something, July, right. Right. after everyone thought it was pretty much over. Right. Uh, so I heard on, and it's on public television, recorded, people saying, look, I'm going to wear a mask for this, that, or the other reason, but it shouldn't be a mandate. There's that out there, too. Oh, I've heard that a lot. And that is what this bill is. It's not saying that anyone can't wear a mask. Right. It's saying it can't be a mandate right. uh, at the state level. Um, now, the bill says that right now. Um, the reason I filed the bill without any further detail to it is because there were so many different viewpoints and trying to decide, like, how do we do this? What's the best way? What's actually that perfect spot for this? Um, I decided, okay, we're going to have to just file something because everybody wants to see the language and there's no way to actually publicly post the language that far and wide unless it's filed. So that is the way to get the word out. All right, everybody, look at this. If you got changes, let me know. So we're, we're, uh, I need to get the bill uh, last I checked, I don't think it's actually been officially assigned to the committee yet, but the goal was get the committee members to all kind of throw in on it and yeah. figure out do you, do you, the wording we really want to land on. Right. And do you have support? I mean, do you have other senators saying they want to help you get this passed? Or, um, You know, frankly, that is the task starting today, and I'm really happy we actually just got canceled out for the rest of the week because we've all been trying to just get the bills in our right. deadline to file bills hasn't finished yet. It right. keeps getting extended. Right. With shutdowns and different things. So, um, so, I, but I personally have my bills, my bills are all like ready to go done. So now I can focus on actually moving. It's like getting the first down. We've got the first down now they're all on the field, but instead of one football, you have like 25 footballs. So now I can move to the next first down, right? And that's that's the next step. What other bills are you trying to get passed? Oh, I've got a variety. Um, it's kind of crazy the different bills that I have because I would have never been able to write this list for you before, just how it all lands. So I have a really big focus on vaccine exemptions. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I helped on the first bill that is 
moving, and I've got two more that are in committee now that need to move, all relating to the same theme, but there's a lot of different authority in the state to do vaccines, so every bill kind of talks talk to a different piece of that. Right. Doesn't, um, doesn't the state have the authority to mandate vaccines as the law is currently written? Yeah. Currently in an epidemic, and that's what we just switched in Senate Bill 8. Now the Senate passed it, uh, it's in the House Committee now, um, to where we provide the exemptions like we do for other things. Yeah. Um, currently there were zero exemptions for that, so we're putting in the exemptions. I want to I be clear that I'm not an anti-vaccine person, uh, but I am anti-demanding or mandating. I'm the same way about masks. You know, I wear a mask when I'm in public, if, if I'm indoors. Uh, but I am against mandating masks because I just right. don't, I don't think that's necessary. We're all adults, um, and I feel the same way about vaccines. But this particular vaccine, I'm not anti this vaccine. For me, and I've tried to explain this, and people have attacked me for this, but I've tried to explain. So I have an 80-year-old father who is diabetic. I want him to get the vaccine because when I weigh risk versus reward, if he gets COVID, he's probably done, right? So risk versus reward because of the level of pre-existing conditions that he has, I want him to get vaccinated. But as a 45-year-old male who's very healthy um, and has a strong immune system, I don't want to take it myself yet because I've seen all of the stories that have come out about mysterious deaths, not a lot of them. I don't want people to think that I'm trying to tell you you're going to die if you take the vaccine. But, you know, there's been enough stories about reactions sickness and even unexplained deaths that I am kind of in a hold back. Let me see. We've never made a vaccine this fast, which is a brand new technology. We have no idea what it does to the body. I'm going to hold off. And I feel like I have every right to do that. And again, I'm not influencing others to do that. Does, you know, take a look at the facts, determine your own risk versus the reward, and then decide. And that is a fundamental freedom that every American should have. I was going to say that is really the way all health decisions should be made and perhaps one of the worst situations we have with this vaccine is if it were to be mandated which you know federal law prohibits prohibits that in some way shape or form but we don't have that shown in kentucky law i mean there's always an ada situation there's always a civil rights situation compared to religious exemptions but, you know, those are court cases that people should not have to file just to make a health care decision. Right. Right. Um, I hope that bill passes. <laughs> I hope your mask bill does, too. But, I mean, I hope that bill also passes because yeah, um, I, I believe Kentuckians have a right. Has there been any chatter that the governor is going to try to mandate vaccines or well, use that authority? Well, he says or? he's not going to try, but that's that's way too pre- preliminary yeah. to even say you know how times have changed yeah. already just in this past year. I mean, right. so the federal um, requirements to even allow a vaccine to become what we call a vaccine, because the COVID vaccine is not technically what you call a real vaccine. It's just an emergency authorization. Right. And which most vaccines have come in that way. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, and they say it takes, I don't know, seven to 10 years, of course, here we are, how long did it take to get through this stage? And that was supposed to take longer. So right. I don't know how long it will actually be before they are officially able to even allow uh, mandates. Right. As soon as that happens, the conversation is going to be totally different. Right. So At for, that point, it's going to be like, oh, now we need to mandate it or whatever. And that's the kind of stuff we're trying to head off. So because it's still classed as an emergency use, 
there's no way it can be mandated. But once they say, hey, this is good to go, and they sped up the timelines on everything else, that's yeah. when that national mandate or that – because I'm already hearing conversations about, you know, passport – a COVID passport to travel between mm-hmm. states. You have yeah. President Biden talking about shutting down travel to Florida. Florida has been a success story in all of this. <laughs> Who's the, ever heard a more unconstitutional thing in right, life? Right, right. Well, and <laughs> what I think is fascinating about that is that Florida has actually been a success story, and that and it's been a success story without all the crazy reactions that other states have done. And, and these guys that are pushing for this ultimate control can't have that shining example of a state that survived, you know, not that people haven't died and haven't had serious, you know, issues or whatever, but this is a virus and virus is going to do what a virus is going to do. It's going to virus, yep. you know? Yep. So, yeah, I, um, so, so where, where are you with, with these two bills, you need a hearing, I guess, or you needed to get into committee on the, the mask mandate. And mm-hmm. then with the uh, vaccine, that one's ready to go. But do you have it in a committee? It's in committee. Yeah, both of those, Senate Bill 98 and Senate Bill 117, each are in different committees. And okay. so um, we just need to work with the committee members to be sure even if, if they either have changes or if if they're good to go on it as is. That's the big question we need to round up right. this week. Okay. All right. Well, um, keep us posted. We'd like to see how this works out. I obviously, um, I I don't know. I I always err on the side of freedom, <laughs> you know. And it's like that's a good place to err. Yeah. I I I know we need to do certain things, um, but I I felt like Senator Southworth. I felt like from the beginning of this that probably about three weeks in, we knew what we should have done and we didn't. Um, we, you know, the first three weeks of shutdown, I get it. We're trying to figure out how bad is this? Is it the next Ebola, only more more um, communicable? And and everybody was afraid, and I get that. But once we were about three or four weeks in, we knew the best way to handle this would have been to keep the elderly and vulnerable home and send the rest of us out to do our business. And in fact, my understanding is technology already exists that we could have, you know, a dollar or two over-the-counter test that is 100% accurate when it tells you you have COVID, not quite 100% accurate when it tells you you don't. But even if it's, let's say, 80%, then you get 80% of cases to self-quarantine because they know they have it. Imagine what that would do to the pandemic in terms of, quote-unquote, flattening the curve or slowing the spread, as they've been telling us for 12 months, right? So You want to talk about flattening the curve. I actually was looking at some numbers recently and it showed where there was like kind of a spike in April. Yeah. And then and then it just came down and, and literally there's not been another spike since. And and I was just looking at it thinking to myself, Well, that's the flat curve they were talking about. Right. Was, wasn't there a spike though January, like that because more people died from COVID in the month of January than did in June. So wasn't there a spike post Thanksgiving and post Christmas? Well, Okay, I can't say that I've looked at every single chart, and the problem with that is, you know as well as I do, the charts are, right. we don't even know what the charts say at this point. One other interesting piece of information I found was that there was a one-day spike, it almost went double, maybe even triple almost, of every other day, if you look through December, January, right? Guess right. which day it was? January 6th, this super high spike of cases or whatever, and then it came right back down to where it had been. Right. I mean... It kind of is one of those examples of the data is going to be whatever you want it to be. Right. 
Um, yeah, that's interesting. I also think we're now seeing stories, and I think personally, I, I predicted this back in October. I said after the election is over, no matter who wins, this, this virus will no longer be useful to certain aspects of our political movement. Now, I'm, again, I'm going to get accused of saying that the virus, that I'm minimizing it. I'm not. It, clearly, this is a terrible virus. Clearly, it has tragically killed a lot of people. But unfortunately, we have a political party in America that has taken advantage of this and in, in, in so doing, to achieve political power, I believe they have actually killed and impoverished more people than the virus ever would have on its own. And I think we're going to see that when suicide numbers come out in the next year or so. But You got me started on my soapbox Yeah, suicide numbers. I've got a bad story for that, too. Well, go, in July, go for it. Yeah, go for it. Back in July, they had a hearing in the legislature, and they said, we want to see the, the CDC acting director dude in Kentucky. They said, we want to see, bring you in, bring us child abuse numbers, bring us suicide numbers. You want to know what happened? In July, this is last 2020 July, okay? And they obviously wanted to know the numbers up to that point. Point being, from March to July, have numbers gone up than, say, from before that, right? Right. We all had the same question. What do they do? They they bring in the numbers from the previous year, July, all the way up through March 2020. And they said, what? Where's the rest of it? And they said, well, we don't have that information yet. It takes a long time to aggregate the data. Hmm. So they had zero information on suicide deaths during the right. shutdown. Now, right. get me straight here. You can read no obituaries on a daily newscast but you have no idea who has died from suicide for four plus months. Right. That is unacceptable. I'm not taking that for an answer until we have a daily read of every suicide in this state. I am not done talking about it. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I, even just anecdotally though, I've heard from people in psychological services talking about, and we know that the number of depression cases is up. We know that there are young children who've been taken out of highly important developmental years of their life where, you know, I think back, Senator Southworth, I think back to my, between my junior year and my senior year in high school. Yep. And the awkward um, lack of social skills, dorky nerd that I was my junior year versus the athlete that I was my senior year. Most of that change, some of it was obviously physical because you go through that growth spurt, but most of it was 100% associated with social situations that grew Mm -hmm. my character, grew my personality, got me outside my box, and grew my confidence. We have now taken that, that year away from an entire generation of children who will not have that interaction with each other. It's, it's absolutely stupid to think that that's not going to result in massive amounts of depression when we are social animals as human beings and to not only take us away from each other, but also cover one of the key points that allows us to communicate with each other without talking. And that's our facial, our facial reaction to each other. I smile at everybody, you know, and some people you can see if they're smiling in their eyes, but some, some people you can't and it just shuts down. And that I'm telling you when those numbers do come out, if they ever do, we're going to see an incredible story that is going to be terrifying. And it's going to be as, as a result of people who saw this this crisis and said, hey, let's destroy the, 
let's 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 tamp down the best American economy since the World War II recovery in order to get back in power. And 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 that's that's what they did. In my opinion, the media helped them. It was it was Democrats, it was the media, and it was spineless Republicans in certain states that acquiesced. Yeah, we have um you know, parents have reached out to me. We have a bill this year, Senate Bill 128, that would allow seniors from last year to be able to start over and do redo their senior year. For example, sports scholarships. When they weren't playing sports, they mm. didn't get their scholarships. I mean, their life yeah. was kind of like on wow. this trajectory they were hoping for, and now they've got nothing. So right. wow. um, I'm hoping that bill passes to allow school boards to allow these fifth-year seniors to come yeah. um, because there's a lot of kids that are going to be, I mean, when my sister-in-law, come on, it's not like she knows a ton of people just like any of us. And she's got six people already personal contacts that have committed suicide, half of whom mm. are in this young youth age. Wow. I mean, that's too many people. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Wow. Uh, I think we're going to I think we're going to when, when those numbers come out, I think they're going to be eye popping. I really do. Uh, assuming they come out. Um, but yeah, it's terrifying. So, well, listen, thank you for standing up for freedom and uh, thank you for taking some time out of your schedule today to, to chat with us. Of course, knowing that uh, the weather kind of canceled you guys, I know you had a little bit more time, but I know you're also busy trying to whip up support for these bills and things. So uh, we definitely. Well, yeah, I'm it. glad today I was going to be on the phone and stuff anyway. So it worked <laughs> out well. Awesome. All right. Senator Adrian Southworth, thanks for your time. Thanks so much. All right. Um, yeah, I, I'm telling you, man. When when they release those numbers, just the number of people that have been impoverished when they release the suicide numbers, depression numbers, it, you're going to see that this the reaction to the virus caused way more pain than the virus itself. And again, I'm not saying the virus wasn't painful. It isn't painful. It is. It's a very serious virus. I don't want you to get it. I don't want to get it. Um, I, I want, you know, for people that are listening to this, if you're vulnerable you know, if you have some of these pre-existing conditions, get vaccinated, man. Go ahead. When you, as soon as you're eligible, get it. I, I wasn't, when I'm talking about that virus, I'm not trying to scare you away from it. What I'm saying is it's risk versus reward, right? But we have a right as human beings to determine what gets put in our bodies. And, um, you know, as a human being, you have a right also to determine, you, you, you assess the risks is the risk versus reward, what is that, you know, and, and for you as an individual and your lifestyle and the way you live and the way, you know, what you're around and, you know, that kind of stuff, you make that decision for yourself. I think the vaccine is a wondrous miracle of science, but it doesn't mean I fully trust it yet because the kinks haven't been worked out. You know, my dad used to tell me that he, you know, when they come out with a new model of a, of a vehicle, you know, every couple of years, whatever car you have they update the body style right and they update the engine and they change around the configuration you know i have a ford expedition it's a 2014 it has changed drastically from 2014 to now um and they put out the new body style i think in like 2016 right so my dad would be like don't buy the new body style with the new engine in 2016 wait till 2017 because it's a new product and it's going to have kinks and they're going to have some issues and they're going to have to work it out. And there's going to be recalls. And that happens every time with, with vehicles. This is how I view the vaccine right now, right? Like, I think it's a wondrous miracle of science and it will save lives. It has saved lives. 
but it will also not it, but also there is a risk and if you are young and healthy I'm not going to influence you one way or the other. That's not my point. I'm just telling you this is how I think about it. And I'm going to wait and see if people start growing third arms out of the top of their heads and third eyeballs. You know, we'll just wait and see. I'm going to wait and see if it's if it's if it's capable of stopping the mutations of the virus. We're dealing with a living thing. And that's one of the things we often forget when it comes to viruses. This is a living thing. And um, so it it has a, a – usually when viruses mutate historically, they become less deadly because the virus doesn't have – it has a vested interest in its host. And so it doesn't want to kill you. It wants to be able to um, proliferate. And so as they mutate, they tend to become less um, less deadly over time. I've only seen one news story alleging that the English – mutation of the virus is more deadly. I've seen several stories saying that it's less deadly. I don't know what to believe yet on that. But now we're starting to see mutations pop up all over the world. And um, those that's what viruses do. They change. They mutate. They evolve. They, uh, you know, update. They adapt. And that's what we're dealing with. So this idea that the vaccine is somehow going to be the panacea, this virus is with us probably forever. Now, I have my own feelings about how it got introduced to us. I believe there was a virus that was only in animals. I believe that the Chinese government was experimenting on that. Now, what their motives were, whether they were building it as a potential biological weapon or if they were building it as a way to potentially treat something that may eventually jump from animals to humans, because that's how a lot of viruses do. Over time, they mutate, they adapt, they become... um, different and then change and then they jump from from animals to humans and they may have been trying to figure out how can we combat that um but that being said i believe it was in that wuhan lab and that's where it emanated from and i believe they were messing with it and i believe we have a messed with virus in other words humans who have been researching it again i don't know what their motives were i won't assign motives to them but whatever they were doing to that virus made this one different and you can check my work on that. Um, it was Brett Weinstein, I think, a biologist who actually did a pretty compelling piece on this in the Joe Rogan podcast. And when I heard what he had to say, I was like, holy crap, you know, the signatures and the markers, and I'm not a scientist, but the signatures and the markers indicated that it had been played with. Uh, and so now we have something that's mutating faster than we could keep up with, and here we are. But the bottom line is this is still a virus that has a much higher than 99.5% higher uh, survival rate in the general population. So you take the, the, the very, most of the deaths are in nursing homes and in higher uh, age population with higher complications of their health. And you take those people and say, look, we're going to have you guys stay home for a while and we're going to bring your groceries to you, you know, and then let everybody else go about their business and keep the economy open. That has always been the way that we should have handled this. Anyway, I, I digress. I, wax on thanks to uh senator adrian southworth for popping on uh talking about her bills that uh, support freedom again i wear a mask in public indoors uh as a courtesy i do not agree with mask mandates again um when i see someone who doesn't have a mask i don't go oh my god i'm gonna get the virus uh you need to get your immune system in shape if you're that worried about a virus if you're if you're so worried that you're gonna catch covid because one guy at the store doesn't have a mask on then you need to worry about your immune system and you need to get that in shape. And you do that by eating a whole foods diet, cutting out processed foods and sugars, 
and uh, and um, you know taking vitamin D and zinc. This is not medical advice. I am not a doctor. Taking vitamin D and zinc, and and building your immune system and exercising, and 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 that is the best defense we have. It won't stop COVID from happening to you, but it sure as heck will probably mitigate how bad it is if you end up getting it. But if you're that worried that you can't stand six feet away from somebody for 10 seconds who doesn't have a mask on, then you've got other issues um, and you need to deal with those. So, all right, too harsh, too harsh. (laughs) It's my podcast. I can say what I want. Thank you for listening uh, to the Disruption Zone and thank you to Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, our sponsor, uh, for being a part of the program. We certainly appreciate them at 6200 Hit Lane in Louisville, Kentucky. If you're in Louisville, Southern Indiana, or um, uh, or uh, Oldham County, this is your place. And I, I love their uh, – they've got three designers on staff, George, Kelly, Michelle. They're so great, and they want to see you. Um, so come by their showroom and check it out. But if you're a do-it-yourself, like that's if you want to do like a full design. You know, you don't want to touch it. You just want them to help you and then go for it, which they – when they did our kitchen, um, you know, it was like, I don't know. Here's the here's the countertop I want. Can you do it? <laughs> and they did it. I, I, I'm not smart like that design-wise. And so their designers will help you uh, deal with all of that. Now, if you're a do-it-yourselfer or if you are a uh, contractor, they have high-quality, beautiful cabinets in stock at affordable prices. And you can go to their website at Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Click on Cabinets, drop down to In Stock, and see what they've got. I'm looking at some kind of shaker-style white cabinets that are just stunning. Um, and you can do them, you know, staggered, or you can do them uh, straight across. I'm looking at some, like, espresso-colored, um, really modern, sleek cabinets uh, that are just absolutely beautiful. Now I'm scrolling down. I'm seeing some more traditional uh, pop-out panel-type cabinets. I mean, it's it really, whatever your style is, they've got it for you at Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. So check them out. LouisvilleCabinetsandCountertops.com, 502-930-3300. Um, uh, I'm sorry. 502-930-3304 and uh, 6200 Hit Lane in Louisville, Kentucky. They did our kitchen. We were extremely happy with the work that they did. Thanks to JP Web Design and uh, Dynamics Audio Productions in Lexington, Kentucky, and to my lazy, good-for-nothing co-executive host and producer, Cameron Mills. Um, And thanks to you for listening. Please download the podcast uh, at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or iHeartRadio. Give us a five-star review. That helps get the uh, message out. And uh, you can find us on Twitter. It's at Leland Show and at uh, Zone Disruption. And on Instagram, it's at Great Lee Londo and at the Disruption Zone. Thanks for listening. I'm Leland Conway, the Disruption Zone.